It's good to see you again. Thanks for joining us this morning at Old Zion Hill Baptist Church. I hope that you've enjoyed uh, singing along and singing in your hearts to the Lord with music, with praise team. Uh, these are, are strange days that we're living in, and uh, all of us look forward to getting back together physically, uh, worshiping in the same building again. Uh, we, we don't know. There's a lot of talk about that. We don't have all the details. We will be following the Center for Disease guidelines as to uh, how to do that and when to make those decisions. Uh, Pastor Dave, myself, and uh, Chairman of Deacons, uh, Jim Honey, will be discussing this, including some other people in it. And we'll be letting you know uh, as soon as we know uh, a framework for that. We look forward to it. At the same time, we want to do it the right way so that we do not endanger people's lives uh, who have weak immune systems. And since I'm one of those, I really don't want my life to be endangered because of my weak immune system. Keep praying and keep looking to the Lord. I also want to th say a word of thank you today for all the prayers uh, for my grandson, Brady. Uh, you see, I'm wearing this shirt that's 15 years old. Uh, it was purchased for me about the time he was born, right after he was his birth. He's 15. He's at St. Jude's Hospital in, uh, in Memphis and has been diagnosed with le leukemia. Is taking uh, a lot of chemotherapy to try to kill that. I appreciate all the prayers and, and uh, responses. Uh, some of you have asked about t-shirts and bracelets. Uh, Different ones are making those. If you need to know or want to know, I can probably give you information if you'll get in touch with me. There's also will be a blood drive, uh, I believe, at Spoga for him. And uh, Jeff, the owner at Spoga, is, is putting that together, and I'll be trying to work with him on that. Um, and there, some have asked about finances, and this is not an ad. I'm just giving information. Um, uh, you know, thank the Lord, St. Jude is funded through various donations and many, many thousands of people. And so the treatments are free. There are There is some expense in staying there uh, in the city. And so uh, there's a fund that's been set up. If you want to know more about that, you can let me know. Uh, today is Mother's Day. Now, I'm not going to be preaching a traditional Mother's Day sermon. I'm going to be preaching what God's put on my heart. But I believe that the, that the truth, the truths that are contained in this scripture passage we're looking at today are applicable to mothers in every age, in every situation. And these promises are exactly, uh, I believe, exactly some of the things that mo moms and dads both need to know, to hang on to, to teach your kill, their children, and to... Uh, and you will need those during these strange times. Um, and so let's turn our attention to the scripture. I want to ask you to turn with me in the Bible to the 41st chapter of Isaiah. And we're going to be considering the overall of the first 20 verses. Uh, but we will read verses 8 through 20. And uh, we're going to be talking about God's promises to his people living in troubled times. In difficult times. The Lord uh, sent Isaiah to speak to the people of Israel and uh, 
he had in chapter 40 summed up his, his call to Israel to trust him and find their strength renewed. And then in chapter 41, he, um, he begins to speak to his people and remind them again of who he is and of who they are uh, and the futility of the world that is, uh, is, is warring around them. Their circumstances were difficult. In verses 1 through 4, the prophet calls the pagan nations that oppose and war against God's people to enter into a courtroom. Um, not a physical courtroom, of course, but an but a intellectual courtroom and a spiritual courtroom where God would meet with them and demonstrate his sovereignty. Some of these nations were so proud and so arrogant because they had trampled on others. And, uh, and God has raised up Cyrus out of the east to defeat the nations and to send the people of Israel back to their, um, their homelands. And so in this prophetic passage, uh, Isaiah is prophesying in those times. And so God is saying, you know, meet with me. Let me set, you set forth your case and I'll set forth my case that I am the sovereign one. And I do what is right and I do what is best. And no one can withstand my plan. The second part of this context is, is verse 5 through 7, God mocks the attempts of pagan nations to establish gods. In fact, it says how they renew their strength. They encourage one another, verses 5 through 7. Re encourage uh, the silversmiths, the, the metal workers who are hammering out the dents in the, in the gods that they're making. And their, their brothers encourage them. And it's the picture of people who are fortifying and enlarging and adapting their uh, their so-called gods whom they worship but who are made with their own hands self-made images that they worship and give all of their devotion to and so in the in the circumstances that are going on they're trying to build bigger gods to handle better uh, worse situations and so God's mocking that no, no, nothing that you can make with your hand and bow down and worship can save your soul. And then in the verses we're going to read, uh, God addresses his people and he promises his miraculous help during the difficulties that they would endure. And so I want to call your attention to that. I'm going to read verse, uh, beginning verse 8. God has been speaking of the nations and now he turns his attention to Israel and he says but as for you that but that that pause that change of direction that change of focus should always be a part of our lives we are called by God out of the darkness of this world into the light of Jesus Christ and we are called to be his peculiar people and therefore when God speaks to us and deals with us it is different than how he deals with the lostness in this world. But for you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, my chosen one, God reminds them that he has called them and he has chosen them and he reminds them that they have descended from Abraham, his friend. God is still keeping his promises to Abraham. You know, the Bible teaches us 
that all of the promises of God, all of the promises of God to Abraham and throughout the Bible find their yes and they amen, their amen, their fulfillment and their power through Jesus Christ. They're summed up in him, in his person, and they are available. The promises of God are ours as co-heirs and brothers and, uh, of Jesus and children of God, adopted and born of the Spirit, children of God doubly. Uh, God's promises to Abraham were fulfilled for us. And so Isaiah is calling the people to remember their, where they've come from. And in verse 9 he says, I've called you back. I've called you back from the ends of the earth saying, you are my servant. He's prophesying the return of the Jewish nation, the Jewish people to come back from the lands in which they've been dispersed. All of us look forward. <laughs> There's a sense, not in, in dispersal like moving to Afghanistan or some other nation, but there's a dispersal where we have been for the last couple of months. And uh, man, thank God, it's, thank the Lord, it's not a dispersal that puts us at the four corners of the earth. Uh, we look forward to that day that we can return. But if you can imagine 70 years of this kind of resettlement, and then God calls them, and he calls them to come back and be his servants and be his people. I have called you from the ends of the earth, saying, you are my servant. I have chosen you and will not throw you away. So do not be afraid, I am with you. Do not be discouraged, I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. See all your angry enemies there, confused, humiliated. Anyone who opposes you will die and come to nothing. You will look in vain for those who tried to conquer you. And those who attack you will come to nothing. For I hold you by your right hand, I, the Lord, your God, and I say to you, do not be afraid. I am here to help you. Though you are a lowly worm, O Jacob. And God's word, the prophet here, is, is not being uh, derisive of Jacob. He's more likely just reflecting what Jacob in his broken, depressed state feels about himself. There's another place in the Bible where it says, I'm a worm and not a man. God made us in the image of himself. We're, we're people with dignity because we've been made in God's image. And God says, Jacob, though you are a lowly worm, don't be afraid, people of Israel, for I will help you. I am the Lord, your Redeemer. I am the Holy One of Israel. You will be a new threshing instrument with many sharp teeth. And here he says that, that God is going to take these people who've been so broken and displaced and scattered, and he's going to turn them from victims into victors and use them in his plan to tear apart. The, he goes on to say, you will tear apart your enemies and you will make chaff of mountains, of things that seemed so huge so unmovable uh, obstacles that they could not face but by God's power he's saying I'm going to turn this around and you're going to you're going to you're going to uh, sow you're going to reap and you're going to thresh and you're going to tear these mountains apart and shred them uh, 
In verse 16, he continues, You will toss them in the air, and the wind will blow them away. A whirlwind will scatter them. The wicked, God says, is like chaff. Though they may prevail for a season, they'll be blown away. Now pick back up with me there in the last part of verse 16. He says, Then you will rejoice in the Lord. You will glory in the Holy One of Israel. In verse 17, when the poor and needy search for water, and there is none, and their tongues apart from thirst, then I, the Lord, will answer. I, the God of Israel, will never abandon them. I will open up rivers for them on the high plateaus, and I will give them fountains of water in the valleys, and I will fill the desert with pools. Rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground, I will plant trees in the barren desert, cedar, acacia, myrtle, olive trees, uh, cypress, fir, pine. And I'm doing all of this so that all who see this miracle will understand what it means that it is the Lord who has done this, the Holy One of Israel who has created it. Though our circumstances are certainly different than the circumstances of Israel. The promises of God that we find here are promises for us, his people. And I want us to just kind of, we're going we're gonna to hurry through these, not because I want to be in a hurry, but because I want to share these with you. And, uh, and it's going to, you know, it's 14 of them. So you hold on, listen quickly, and I'll try to speak quickly. 14, I believe I counted. First promise, I am sovereign. Now it's not stated that way, but the first, the first uh, verses one through four, that's what God is declaring. The people of Israel that Isaiah is prophesying that have been displaced, they've been, they've been in other countries, and God's going to call them back home by Cyrus, and they're going to have to cross a desert. They're going to have to cross through. Uh, hostile areas and God's calling them back to himself and to Jerusalem and to Israel and to the land of Palestine and uh, and so God is saying to them you need to understand no matter how bad things are or what circumstance you're in I am the sovereign God nothing can happen to you except through my permission we talk about God's perfect will. We talk about his permissive will. Sometimes things are not God's perfect will. But no matter what happens, God promises his people that in his sovereignty, he will redeem every situation of our lives. He promises that whatever happens in our lives, God is going to work through that for our good and the glory of Jesus Christ. And so the first thing we need to realize is that as Christians, we're not just, uh, we're not just happenstance, uh, circumstantial situations. We're not victims of circumstances. We are in the hands of the sovereign, almighty God who holds us and calls us his own people. I hope that gives you some comfort. When... Uh, when we found out my grandson had uh, has developed leukemia, and of course we've been in shock. It's been hard to even have a conversation just because of the emotional depth of that. It is 
helpful to remember that the name of Jesus is above every name. And leukemia is a name that's under Jesus' feet. God is sovereign. He's got this. Whatever it is, God's got it, and he will sustain us. Second promise, you are my servant. God is calling his people back to remember that, that he is not some idol that you leave in one country and pick up another idol in another country that you can leave behind or go somewhere else. He has called them through Abraham, his friend, to be his servants, to be his people, to be his very own chosen possession. And through Jesus Christ, God has called us not only to be his servants, but to be the friends of Jesus. In fact, because God causes those who follow Christ to be born of the Holy Spirit, and he adopts them as his own children, we have a relationship with him. And when times are hard and we're going through difficult things like this, we desperately need to remember the promise of God. That we are His. We belong to Him. And the Sovereign of the universe has called us. And we need to say what He says about ourselves. The third promise is, I've called you back to myself. A physical barrier had developed because the people of Israel, because of their sin, their hundreds and hundreds of years of sin, God finally judged them and sent them away. And as they were called back to Him, God is encouraging them with a promise. I've called you. Now, when I was called to preach, several people would tell me, Gary, if God's called you, you follow it. Because the only way you can stand through years of ministry is to know that God's called you. And so I went to some lengths to make sure it was God. And 49 years ago, in June, God called me to follow him. And sometimes when it's been most difficult, I've discovered that by remembering that he called me, and if he called me, I can be confident that he will finish what he started. We belong to him. We don't know when we're going to get to meet as a whole with, by sitting next to each other or putting our arms and hugging each other. Uh, we don't particularly like these virtual hugs, but they're better than no hugs. But listen, God has called us to himself. And we're safe in him because we have a relationship with him. Verse 9 says, I've chosen you and I won't throw you away. I remember a child one time had disappointed his parents. And in his remorse, I do not know if this child was just trying to play his parents or if it was sincere. But he said, are you going to throw me in the garbage? Listen, God gave his own son's life for our sins he doesn't throw us in the garbage in fact we're already in the garbage heap it is God who sent Jesus and called us and chose us and drawn has drawn us to himself to get us out of the garbage heap and to keep us out of the eternal garbage heap he will not throw us away parents may leave you friends may forsake you Others may betray you, but the God who's chosen you will never throw you away. The next point I want to share with you, point five, is this. I am with you in verse 10. God says, I'm with you, so you don't need to be afraid or discouraged. 
I was a little kid. Some of you have heard this story before, and you can say Brother Gary's telling story number 10. You can number my stories, I guess, if you've heard them that often. I was a little kid, maybe five years old, maybe three years old, walking through the woods. My daddy had bought some land there in East Alabama, and uh, he had taken me, and he was holding my hand. And uh, I remember slipping, and I was holding his finger like this, his big old thick mechanic fingers. And I was holding on, and I, I tripped on a root or a rock, and I fell. I couldn't hold on to his hand tight enough to keep me from falling. And I stood up, and he brushed me off. He comforted me, hugged me for a minute, and he put me back down. And I put up to give his finger, and he says, no, no. I'm going to hold your hand. And so his big old massive hand went and took my little bitty hand and enveloped it there. And we walked. And I remember hearing what we call a screech owl. Some of you know exactly what that is. Some of you know what it sounds like. To me as a little three-year-old, five-year-old, it sounded like a witch. Scared. It scared me <laughs> deeply. And, uh, and I remember squeezing my dad's hand tighter because I knew that my father was with me and that he was bigger than any witch or anything else in those woods. God says, I'm with you. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be discouraged. I'm with you. And all that you need is in me and I am with you. Dear friends, some of us are tired of being in the house. Some of us are tired of not going back to regular cycles of things. And, uh, and, and we don't know what to think about the future. But here's the thing that I know. We don't know what the future holds. But we know who holds the future. And our Father, the Sovereign One, the Lord of the universe, the one who holds us by his hand and says, I will never throw you away. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. He is with us. And so we do not have to be discouraged nor afraid. Point number six, or promise number six in verse 10, he says, I will strengthen you and I will help you. God promises to strengthen us. Sometimes his strength is infused in a moment of crisis. But sometimes his strength comes in other ways. I remember when I was, I don't know, I was in the sixth grade, I think, and uh, we didn't have basketball and leagues for kids. We didn't have those things in rural Alabama and the little school of 200 people I went to from, from we didn't have kindergarten either, but from grade one through 12. Um, the 4-H through the county had a tournament every year for the boys who are uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. And so I was the tallest guy in the gym, I thought I would naturally make the basketball team. I'd never played basketball, but they had tryouts and you had to actually be able to walk and dribble the ball at the same time. And so I, I didn't get chosen. I was devastated. I just thought, wow, I'm the tallest guy in the gym. Well, being the tallest guy in the gym doesn't make you a good ball player sometimes. And so my dad, when I went home and talked to him about it, and I said, I want to, I want to learn how to play basketball. He said, well, you build a you build a backboard and you go up and get some lumber and you build a post and you get the hole diggers and dig a hole and I'll uh, I'll buy you a rim and I'll buy you a basketball. And so I found a spot with his approval. I worked for about a week uh, putting boards together 
and found a post and I dug a hole and I said, is this deep enough? And he said, no, go deeper. And I think I went three feet. Now for a 11 year old, 12 year old, that was quite a feat. And he made me do the work that I had to do to improve myself. Sometimes God strengthens us, not in a moment, momentary infusion of power, but he strengthens us by causing us to have to endure difficulties and to work hard to overcome them. And, and James, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, James's, God, uh, James's book says uh, that when we have endured and we stood the test, God will give us a crown of life. God will strengthen us. We do not have to be afraid. He's going to help us. He may help us as a wise parent who teaches us to get up and go to work. He may help us as an all-powerful God who in a moment of crisis infuses us, or he may help us in some other way. But God will strengthen us and give us strength equal to the task that we're called to do. Number seven, promise number seven, verse 10 through 12. He says, I will make you victorious. Here he pictures them as a threshing machine and the nations that oppose them, the, the nations that come out to, to challenge them, to, uh, to harass them. He says, I'm going to make you into a war machine, basically, and overcome those nations. It is a mistake to think that we'll win the battle with coronavirus through our own means. It is a mistake to think that we have the strength in ourselves to be victorious in all of our life. There are things that God requires of us, and he will not do what he hands off to us to do. But victory ultimately comes from the Lord. And there are things that we cannot do that only God can do. But if we'll connect with him, as he calls us to himself, he will make us victorious. He will supply what we need to give us victory. You know, I'm one of those people, I, I really like to be victorious, but not have a fight. And so that's really not even a wise statement because there, there are no victories without conflict. We don't like going through conflict, but I'm telling you, you will never be victorious until you learn to fight get through God's ways and lean upon Him. Mamas, this is a good time. Sometimes mamas want to shield their little boys and their children from conflicts, and there are certainly a lot of things they should be shielded from. But one of the wisdoms of growing up is to teach them how to develop the skills necessary to function in life. On Mother's Day, teaching your children to trust in the Lord and become victorious through Him is a great Mother's Day attribute. Well, let me go on to, to number eight. God says, I will hold you, in verse 13, I'll hold you by my powerful right hand. I just told you the story of my dad when I fell and I tried to hold on to his hand. I couldn't. The difficulty was, was, was too great. My strength was insufficient. And when he picked me up and dusted me off and dried my tears and I put my hand up, he grabbed my hand. Now, I'll tell you what, I still tripped. I still hit roots. I still hit uh, 
potholes or whatever walking across that new land. But then instead of falling and bruising my face, I just kind of dangled in the air because my dad was the biggest man on earth at that time and the strongest arm on earth, or at least in my small eyes. There are things that even our human fathers cannot do for us. But our Father in heaven has no match. He has no equal. He has no rival. His strength is sufficient for all of our needs. I will hold you by my powerful right hand. Verse 13. Promise number nine, I am here to help you. So you don't have to be afraid. I will help you. I will. Sometimes we, 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 we know God is there. We know he can help. But we don't know if he will help. One of my favorite stories in all the Bible is found in, in the Synoptic Gospels. I especially like reading it. I think in chapter 1 of Luke where the leper comes up to Jesus. A man who could not be touched because of the disease. A man shunned from human contact. And he came up, he had heard about Jesus, and he says, Master, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus did something no man had ever done. He put his hand on him. And in a compassion that stretched so far beyond ordinary life, and with the power that was in the Son of God. He said, I'm willing. Be clean. And instantly the man was healed. Some of you may be here this morning and you may be thinking, I don't know if God can really help me. I don't know if He can forgive me. I've heard people tell me, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. I don't need to know. I don't necessarily want to know. But I know this. I know that the blood of Jesus is sufficient to cover every sin, no matter how great, no matter how heinous, every sin, every infraction of his divine will, the blood of Jesus was shed in love for you and in willingness for you and for me to be made well in God's eyes. Number nine, I'm here to help you. So don't be afraid. I will help you. Verse 14. Let's move to number 10. I will use you to accomplish my purposes. Here he talks, verse 15 and 16, about how um, how he's going to use Israel to defeat others and in doing so demonstrate through their weakness his power and his glory. You may think, I have nothing to give to God. I can't speak. I can't, I, I just, I'm, I'm weak, I don't have a lot. But listen, what God wants is your heart and your willingness to obey Him, your availability. He doesn't need your strength, He just needs you. And out of your weakness, your God is able to use you to accomplish His purposes. One of the places that we've asked you during this time of uh, scattering to focus your prayer and your thoughts is in who's your one. There are people that you know that you may be the only person on earth who has the power to speak a word to influence them to Christ, to pray for them and influence them and call them 
towards Christ. God says, I will use you and I will help you and I will accomplish my purposes in you and people will see it and they will glorify me through your life. Number 11 in verse 10, he says again, I will answer you. You know, the difference between an idol and the living God is is when you call in sincerity, the idol cannot answer. He has only tin or stone. He has no heart. He has no eyes. He has no ears. He cannot hear. He's just an imagination, imaginary fiction in somebody's mind. People who actually worship themselves. You know, there are idols that we have in our lives. Jesus warned against the idol of mammon, of money, of wealth. And he said the man is a fool who spends his life accumulating and saying, I have many goods laid up for many years, and so now I can rejoice and take it even, easy. And he, and he doesn't even know that God holds his life in his hand. And when God calls him, his money cannot save his soul. Jesus said, call to me, and I will answer you. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 32, 27, call to me. And I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. The promise of God to answer. Now, he may answer no. He may not always answer yes. He may answer, hang in there a while and I'll get back with you. But he will always answer when we call upon him. Promise number 12 in verse 10, I will never abandon you. We live in a day when kids are disposable when parents uh, too often are, are addicted or affected or just just uh, narcissistic and, and so occupied with themselves that they maybe think more of sports or something else or drugs than their children. And often we find children who are abandoned, not, not, not in the sense that there's no one in their life, but in the sense that they've just been kind of thrown away. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He told his disciples, I will not leave you as, as an orphan. I will come to you. I'll send the Holy Spirit to you. Through Jesus Christ, all who call to him, though humans may fail you. God said in his word in Psalms, he says, if your mama and your daddy forsake you, I will take you. I will not leave you alone. You will have a, whole, a heavenly Father who loves you. You have Jesus who will save you. And he will send his spirit so that even when you are, think you're alone, you will never be alone. He will never forsake you or leave you. The promise number 13, verses 18 through 19, he says, I'm going to provide miraculously for you. When you're going through that desert, when you're going through the driest place that you've ever been, when you're living with fear and there's nothing but sand, I am going to open up rivers to flow through that desert. I'm going to make the desert bloom. I'm going to make trees. I will prosper you and I will bless you in the driest possible places. He's calling Israel back to himself and to come back to him will mean going through some difficult, dry, barren spots. And sometimes that's true in our lives, but God's promise to Israel in effect tells us that God's going to, he's going to provide for us even miraculously. He will do things that are not ordinarily done. 
to make provision for his people who are set who set their hearts on coming to him. I've known people who say, Gary, I, I don't I can't be saved because I can't live the Christian life. Well, no, you can't live the Christian life. If you could live the Christian life, you wouldn't need to be saved. Jesus Christ is the only one who can live the Christian life. And if you're worried about living the Christian life before trusting Christ, you're trying to take two steps by taking the second step first. In the history of the world, as far as I know, it's never been done. The first step is trusting Christ. The second step is Christ providing to you the power and the resources you need to live a life that honors Him and that fulfills His purpose in calling you back to Himself. I will provide miraculously during the driest times. In verse 14, or number 14, in verse 20, God says, when you respond to me, when you come to me, when you hear me calling and you, you run to me and you obey and follow me, I'll demonstrate, my, I'll demonstrate myself and my power through your lives and circumstances in such a way that people who see will know that I am the Lord. In other words, God through his working in your life will show other people that there is a God and that he is a God who loves and the God who is able to help in times of need. Listen, God's promises are very, very powerful. During this time, I can testify as a, as a grandfather who loves his grandson. I'm no stranger to pain. I'm no stranger to loss or grief. But finding out your grandson who calls you Paul has leukemia. It's a, it's a kick in the gut. It takes all the air out of you. But for the grace of God and the power and the provisions of the Heavenly Father, we will stand because God makes us stand. We need our God, and we need His power, we need His presence, we need His help, we need His promises, and they are available at our point of need. But listen to me, God's promises demand a response. When He calls, you need to answer. When He calls you to salvation, you don't need to delay that. When He calls you to repentance, you need to do that then. Respond to what God's promises are. God's promises deserve trust. God calls us into a relationship. He is not about religion. He's not about formulas. He's not about all the laws that, that people, humankind can come up. A lot of theology of talking about God is just talking about God. God wants people who will live with Him and in Him and respond to Him on a personal level, who will pray to Him and listen and interact with Him. His promises deserve our trust. His promises of deliverance, of salvation, of help, of miraculous provisions, and of revival and refreshing today are true today to all who will turn from substitutes and other preoccupied. Uh, preoccupations who will embrace Christ Jesus as Lord as the Son of God as the Savior and as Lord of their lives 
in John, the first chapter, verse 12 and 13, God made a promise. The word says Christ, Jesus, came to his own. But his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, here's the promise, he gave eternal life, the right to become children of God. Born not of the will of man, but of the Spirit. God promises spiritual birth to the ones who will embrace him and receive him. Have you, have you, whether you're at Zion Hill, whether you're in Africa, whether you're in Alaska or Columbia, have you personally embraced and received and welcomed Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 is the picture and Jesus says, Behold, I stand and I, I knock at the door. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone will hear my voice and open the door, the door to your own heart and life only has an indoor handle. And Jesus won't knock the door down, but he will knock. If you hear him today, open the voice, open the door, hear the voice, and embrace him as Savior and Lord. Welcome him into your life. Romans 10, 9 and 10 are promises. If we believe in our heart, God raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our lips that Jesus Christ is Lord will be saved Romans 10 13 is a precious promise Romans 10 13 says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved the word saved is the word delivered and here it's talking about eternal salvation of being born of the spirit of accepting Christ as your Savior but you know, it, carry, it carries so far beyond that. It carries into daily life. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved or will be delivered. I remember when I was in college, I had a 1967 um, Camaro. Beautiful car. It was a six-cylinder. I don't have to tell you that. But it was a nice car. And I was driving in the woods of Mississippi and came into a curve. I'd been around many times. and the, the rain and the weather had made a hole in the road on the right edge and sand and gravel. And so I was on the road. And as I hit that hole with the back tire, it bounced. And it came up and it kind of bounced up a little bit and got on top of the sand and gravel. Before I knew it, I was spinning out of control. And I was in the pine trees demolishing my beautiful car. And you know what I did? I said, Lord, save me. I don't know how loud that was. I think I said it pretty loudly. But it doesn't have to be loud for God to hear it. It just has to be real. Lord, save me. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you call upon him today? And mothers, would you teach your children by demonstrating for them and then teach them by precept the promises of God and how to call upon Him so that you equip them to live life in a way that honors God and honors you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for the precious promises that you are our Savior, you are our Lord, you are our Helper. Now, whoever calls upon you will be saved. We ask you today to revive the churches of this land, to hear the prayers of people here, Zambia, 
in Africa, in uh, Mexico, in Colombia, in Alaska, here in the continental U.S., here in Louisiana, and right here at Old Zion Hill, to hear our heart cries and redeem us and save us and deliver us, we pray. And make the world see the glory of God through the ways that you work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to the day I can see you face to face. Um, But until that day, know that I love you. I'm praying for you. And God's got something good for your life if you will seek Him.